We're going to be over in the book of Judges here today, at least for uh, most of the most of the service. We're looking, continue to look at how God views and deals with the unfaithful. How God views and how He deals with the unfaithful. We saw that Paul was corrected, challenged, and directed. He was he was corrected on the on the road. Why are you persecuting me? He was challenged. This is what you're going to do for me. And then he was directed. Go here. Moses, the one we looked at last week, he was challenged to become the deliverer, the deliverer he was called to be. He was directed in what he was to do. And then corrected when he said, no, I don't want to do it. But that's not the only way that God helps the unfaithful. And I'm excited to show this one to you. This is a particular guy that uh, I don't look at as a real hero of the faith, even though Hebrews does. But he, is, he shows us something about faithfulness that is incredible. About, about the, the, the way that God looks at us when we are unfaithful and brings us to that place of being, of being faithful. This is one of the most beautiful ways that you will see. And yet it is a very frequent way in which God deals with us. I had put up on, on Facebook for you, if you're up there to, to see that, that if you will receive this from God, what is going to happen here in this, if you would receive this from God, then not only is it available to you now, but it's probably knocking on your door. It's already been in your life. It is in your life now. Certainly it will start to, to come to your life. But... You have to receive it. Most Christians will turn this down and choose a life of being saved but not faithful. It's unfortunate because we can be saved and faithful. And that's where God wants to get us to. So over in Judges chapter 6, we're going to begin to look at this in Judges the first, uh, the sixth chapter and the first verse. We're going to take a brief look at the, at the problem that is, uh, that goes on here. That first off, what we're going to, to see, we're just going to run through some of this because if you want to get an in-depth in this, we've done it a few times. In fact, this one we've actually been over a couple times the last few years. The most recent time was over on, uh, Wednesday nights in Hebrews. We, we looked at Gideon as one of the heroes of the faith as he's mentioned in the Word of God. But let's take a look at this mostly for the standpoint of faithfulness and unfaithfulness. So here's the problem. Let's just read through this quick. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because the Midianites, the children of Israel, made for themselves the dens, caves, the strongholds, which were in the mountains. So it was whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up, also Amalekites, and the people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no subsistence for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents coming in as numerous as locusts, both they and their camels were without number. And they would enter the land, the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, 
Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage and delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also, I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Now then, this is the problem. We know that they cried out. Now, all the details of this are not laid out here, but we know from other times in the future and in the past that when Israel missed God, went after other idols or did whatever they did, and they repented, that uh, God sent a, a deliverer, someone to help them, someone to bring them out of that. And God had sent a deliverer. <clears throat> and in chapter 6 and verse 11, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abiezrite, who was, who, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midians, Midianites. Now, of course, in a winepress is not where you normally thresh wheat. We've been over those details on it before. Not going to spend a whole lot of time on the problem here. We want to take a look at the faithfulness part of it. But by this time, you all know who the angel of the Lord is. Whenever the angel of the Lord, whenever that term is used in the Bible, it is not just an angel. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only angel who receives worship. So what you have here is Gideon, who is called to be a deliverer, who is out hiding from the Midianites and threshing wheat. The angel of the Lord, Jesus Christ himself, shows up and has a message for him. Now look at this message. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about? Saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go, in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites, have I not sent you? Now the Lord sent a deliverer. At the time that Gideon was born, was he a deliverer? Now think about this in the New Testament. When does God call you? Before you were born, right? Before you even formed in the womb, the Lord had a plan and a purpose for you. So before he ever shows up on the face of this earth, God has called him to be a deliverer of the children of Israel. That's the call on his life. He may not know it right away, but at some point, he's going to come into that knowledge just like we looked at last week. Moses eventually came to the knowledge that he was the deliverer and thought all the rest of Israel knew it too. Now, was the problem going on before this word came? And it was. Was the problem going on before the word came? However, it did come to, to Gideon that he was a deliverer. And certainly it was. Now, was the deliverer, Gideon, preparing for or living the call in his life? Was Gideon being faithful to the call? This is real important for us to understand. Look, look, at, uh, look at verse 15. 
So he said to him, O Lord my God, how can I save Israel? Does that sound like he's ready? Does that sound like he's accepted the call? Would you call, just from that one statement right there, would you call Gideon faithful? I wouldn't call him faithful. If he, and we, we know he probably received the call. You don't just suddenly get a call from the angel of the Lord and hey, hey, I deliver. This is, this has come to him before. And now it's come to an, an urgent time and he needs to get with it. Because he hasn't been responding so far. And so the angel of the Lord shows up to light this fire into him. And so when you look at the question, how does God view unfaithful people? We have an answer right here in this word. How does God view an unfaithful per- person? So he has been unfaithful in the call of God. He has not pursued it. And the angel of the Lord comes down to him and has a message for him. Now, if you were, if you were God and you had a servant who was so unfaithful with being a deliverer that he's hiding in a wine press to thresh wheat, what would your message to them be? I would guarantee you that none of us would send this message along. The Lord is with you. You mighty man of valor. Would that be your message to an unfaithful person? To a person who has not pursued the call or done any preparation at all? Hmm. Look at the next word he has for him. Go in this might of yours. He's already got the might, doesn't he? Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? He does not say, am I not sending you? Does he say that? He says, have I not sent you? In that past tense? Which would mean the sending has already been done. But he has not responded. Which to us would mean unfaithful. But look at the words of God to him. I don't see any condemnation of the guy. But he's been unfaithful. I put this in your outline for you. Not time should never mean not ready. Just because it is not time for you to operate in that call should never mean that you are not ready. We should always get ready so when it is time, we are ready. We should always get ready. You should be be applying yourself to be ready to be that person that you need to be, to have what God wants you to put out, whatever it is. Just because it's not time now does not mean you should be not ready. Get yourself going. He says, Oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Now, does that concur with the words that the Lord Jesus, the angel of the Lord, spoke to him? So he is speaking words against what God said. Does he not? Again, look at his words. 
his words back to back to God. Oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Let's look again at the words that God spoke to him. The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Does he believe that? Absolutely not. Look at the second word. Go in this might of yours. Does he believe that? I am the weakest of the weakest family. I've got the weakest family and I'm the weakest in the weakest family. What does God say about him? Go in this might of yours. Can you see how God is saying things completely opposite of what this man believes? Could we in any way call him faithful? Could we in the least minutest way see this man as being faithful in anything that God has called him to or has said to him? No. And yet look at the view that God has of him. God's view of him is is good. His view of himself is bad. And because of that, he's been unfaithful. Verse 16, And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Now can you imagine if God showed up The Lord Jesus Christ Himself showed up in your presence and told you whatever it is that you're doing, whatever it is that God has called you to, whatever it is that your hand is involved with, and He comes to you and says, you shall do this. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if you work for a company and God shows up and says, you shall run this entire thing. Can you imagine if you were in a really bad situation and God shows up and says, you have been delivered. Can you imagine this? This is what God is saying to him. Surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Now we already determined that Gideon has not been faithful. I put this in your outline for you. He is not living the call. He's not living the call. He's called to be a deliverer. He's not living the life of a deliverer. He's running. He's afraid. He's not seeing the call. God speaks to him about the call and he acts like, I can't see that at all. That is not out there. He's not living the call. He's not seeing the call. And he is certainly not hearing the call. He is not going to hear anything that's being said about this call. It's kind of like Moses. Moses, because of his failure, I can't hear that I'm the deliverer. Now, way back when we went over this, we were in a series on frustration. I put this out there for you. I'm just, I just pulled that little snippet from there just to remind you about this. When we are in the land of frustration, faith is like another language. When we are in the land of frustration, faith is like another language. When you are frustrated in the call of God that is on your life, when you have heard the call of God, but it's not happening, and you get frustrated, anything spoken along the lines of that call 
is like a language you don't understand. Frustration is like a filter that keeps you from seeing what is really true. See, the enemy loves frustration because when he gets you in the land of frustration, he will keep you from doing the call of God. Moses was frustrated at accomplishing what he felt God told him to do. He got frustrated. Now, what has gotten in the way? There are three things here that have gotten in the way. It's important for us to keep these in mind because we're going to look back at these and all the things that we're, we're looking at here. Three things that have gotten in the way. First off, the words of other people. The words of other people. I don't know if it particularly happened this way with Gideon because we're not given all the details, but can you imagine if Gideon received the word of God, you are the deliverer from the this hand of Midian. You are the deliverer. Can you imagine if that word came out and and he heard that and he began to voice it to some people around? Can you imagine the words that they would say? You? You're the deliverer? Are you kidding me? What family are you part of? That's the weakest family in the land. And you're the weakest guy. He's, he's probably just voicing words that he heard from other people. You know, have anybody ever called you weak, ugly, no good? So use some kind of word that, and you just kind of accept it. Well, I guess I'm just this way. This is just how I am. I guess I am the weakest. And you hear the words from other people because you heard what God said and you voiced it. And other people don't agree with that. David went through this in some of his life with his family. We've been, we've been over that times before too. Moses was going through this with people. Remember when Moses was the deliverer, went out there and killed the Egyptian? What did he hear the next day? Who made you a judge over us? Are you going to kill me like you did the Egyptian? And he heard that. See, those words will, will hang in your head. The words of other people can make it, make it be a problem. So that's the first thing that gets in the way. The words of other people. The second thing is the thoughts of his mind. The thoughts of his mind. Every time in his spirit revelation would come, his mind would, would counteract it. No, that's not you. No, that's not a direction that you're going to go. No, you're not going to be. Who are you that you can be the deliverer? These words are going to come. These thoughts that are in your head, they'll come. The words of other people. The thoughts of his mind. And here's the last one. The power of his emotions. The power of his emotions. You see, because when people say these negative words, it stirs up emotions in us. And those emotions are strong. They're powerful. And when God begins to speak these things to, to, to Gideon, mighty man of valor... His emotions kick in. Oh no, no. That's not me. That's not me. No, I don't I don't feel like I'm a deliverer. 
I feel weak. So these three things get in the way. They get in our way too. But the words of other people, the thoughts of his mind, and the power of his emotions. He feels rejected. He feels put down. These things are powerful in him. He cannot hear, or basically he cannot receive, the words of the Lord. Verse 17, Then he said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat, unleavened bread with an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket. He put the broth in a pot. He brought them all out to him under the terebinth tree and presented them. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. So he did it. The angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread. And fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. So he had a staff in his hand. He tells the guy, put the meat and the unleavened bread on the rock. We're not talking altar here. We're talking rock. There's some big rock that was there. He put it on top. The angel touched what? Touched the meat and the unleavened bread. Where did the fire come from? The rock. Now, how many of you, if you were designing this, would have designed it that whatever the staff touched, that's where the fire goes? That's not how this worked. It comes out of the rock. He touches the meat. And from underneath, in the rock, the fire comes up. That must have been some kind of thing to see. It's not like something came out of the staff. Something came up from the rock. And it consumed the offering. And then he disappeared out of his sight. Now, we're going to see a change on something. It's very subtle. You may not have seen this before. But I think you'll see it here. Now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Now here's a big difference in here. Up till now, Gideon has heard words in his head and he has spoken them. Up till now, he has felt things and spoken from the power of those emotions. But now, instead of the power of his emotions, we have the power of God that has just flown, it flowed from that rock into, came this fire and burned up the sacrifice. And he has got a revelation down in his spirit, because it said, look at the word, he perceived. That's code word. That means he understood it in his spirit. It came up in his spirit. 
And when something came up in his spirit, he didn't let his mind stop it. And he had actions based on what came in his spirit. That's a good step. That's huge. Do you know how many Christians don't act on what comes in their spirit? They only act what comes in their head. He got this in his spirit. He perceived. That was the angel. That was the, we're not just talking an angel. He knew it was an angel. That was the angel of the Lord. That was the manifested presence of God that was just here. Wow. So that was a revelation that came to him. He didn't perceive it because of the miracle of the fire. Or the fact that the angel disappeared. I mean, angels disappear all the time when they when they showed up. It was down in his spirit. It was something that was spoken to him. That was the angel of the Lord. And he heard it. And he responded out of that revelation. That's huge for this guy. Now it came to pass. Well, let's go. Then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Now, we don't know how he said it to him. Somehow he said this to him. Maybe he perceived that in his spirit too, but whatever it was, it, this is what he heard. Peace be with you. You Do not fear. You shall not die. Because they felt like if you saw God, you could die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, the Lord is peace. To this day, it is still called Ophrah of the Abizrites. Now, it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old. Tear down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the wooden image that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord, your God on top of this rock in a proper arrangement and take the second bull and offer a burnt offering with the wood of the image that you shall cut. So we're going to take that rock. We're going to use that as a basis for an altar here. So he gave him an assignment. Now, his calling is what? A deliverer. But see, God gives out assignments. And this is an assignment. This is what I want you to do. This is in line with him being a deliverer. But this, this has nothing to do with the Midianites. I want you to come after this idol, this Baal, because he's been part of the problem. I want you to tear down that altar. I want you to take the wood. You're going to use that as fuel for the fire. You're going to burn it up. You're going to bring it all down here. So you're going to tear down one altar. You're going to build up another. This is your assignment. So Gideon took ten men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. Now, he is only partially faithful at this point. But how many of you all know being partially faithful is at least better than being not faithful at all? If he was completely faithful, he would believe the words of God that said, Mighty man of valor. Or how about the word, I will be with you. He doesn't quite grab hold of them to the degree that he should. But he still does what he's supposed to do. He just does it at night. Do you think the inspiration to do this at night came from his spirit or his head? Probably his head, right? So, we went back to listening to our head, not our spirit. 
But God still has good words for the guy. See, we can take, we can be glad about this. Because God, with this very unfaithful person right here, is still speaking good words about him. So because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much, he did it. He did it by night. Now, first off, we see that there was the power of God. This is the fire on the altar. There was the thoughts of his heart, the revelation. He's now having actions based out of a different power and based out of different thoughts. Not thoughts of the head, but thoughts of the camera's revelation. Thoughts of the heart. And he finally hears the words of God to him. Now I want to read these again to you. In verse 12, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Verse 14, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Verse 16, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Now, when you look at that last word, if you, how many of y'all know the story of Gideon? And you know how he had too many men and we had a number, uh, you know, get them on down. You got too many. And then again, you got too many, you still got too many. I'm sure he might be thinking back to this word. All right. I thought you said I would defeat them as not one, as one man, not as actually one person. But, um, you know, that number's getting down there pretty good. Surely I will be with you. And you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. All this was available to him before. But he walked in a different light. And so he didn't walk in this. You see, if I walk in the light of my mind, of the thoughts that I can generate in my head, what I can figure out about what God wants to do. If I walk in the light of that, If I walk in the light of what people have said instead of what God has said, if I walk in the light of that, if I walk in the power of my emotions instead of the power of God, I won't be able to see what God sees. And I won't walk in what God walks in. I'll stay just like Gideon. I am of the weakest tribe And I am the weakest of the weakest tribe. Now, he's not the only one we want to look at. Again, we're not trying to evaluate to, you know, just get in all the details of this particular story. We've done that before. We're looking at it from the faithfulness standpoint. But here's another one that you know very, very well. In Genesis chapter 12. So because of this, we don't really have to get into all the things that are going on in the story. In Genesis chapter 12. In verse 1, Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. You shall be a blessing. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Look at these words that he says to Abraham. Get out of your country. From your family, 
and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing and will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now we know the story of Abraham. How faithful was he with the word that God spoke? He was terrible. He missed it on about every single thing that God said to do. Because he said, first off, get out of your country. That one he did. He left his country. He left Ur of the Chaldeans. We come up to him in chapter 12. He is in Haran, which is north of there. But he's out of there. But he's with his father, his nephew, and his family. In fact, when Abraham sends back to get a wife for his son, he wants someone who's in the family. He doesn't go to Ur of the Chaldeans. He goes to Haran because all his family went with him. So God said, get out of your country from away from your father's house. He brings his father's house. And then they had some trouble and they stayed at Haran. And his father died there. And the word of the Lord came to him again. Look, this is what I said to do. Get out here and do it. Not very faithful. Let's go on to the next word that God speaks to him in Genesis chapter 13, verse 14. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look. See, Lot had come with him. So even when he left Haran, he still brought his family. Some of them. Left some of them back there. Still brought some more. Still not faithful, what God said. Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are northward, southward, eastward, and westward. Every time I read this verse, every single time I read this verse, I cannot just read this. I hear the song. Because Brother David Ingalls wrote a song. It's called The Seed of Abraham. And he quotes this entire verse. I have this entire verse memorized in the King James Version. Because David Ingalls sings it from the King James Version. I was thinking of bringing it out here for you all to hear, but you can look it up. It's wonderful. He just reads this whole section here. Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you now stand. North, south, east, west. I've given you all the land. He's given it to him. Has he been faithful with what God said to him yet? Little bits here. He left the land. All right. Then he left most of the family. But then he brought Lot along. Finally, he sends Lot in another direction. And when he does, the word of the Lord comes to him and says, look, I'm tired of you being unfaithful. Do what I said. He doesn't do that, does he? He says, look, I want you to look all around. North, south, east, west. I want you to look at all because I have given you all this land. For all the land which you see, I give you and your descendants forever and I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. 
Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I will give it to you. Hmm. Genesis chapter 15, verse, verse 1. I'm going to read this from the screen because for some reason I didn't put this in. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Now, that's pretty good words right there, isn't it? Now, think about this. Abraham has been directed by God. Leave your country, leave your family, and go to a land that I directed. So he leaves his land, stops at a place that he figured was a good stopping place because God did not direct him to Haran. God was directing him to the promised land. He leaves the rest of his family there and finally embarks on the rest of the journey. He gets to the promised land, the land that God showed him. And what's he do when he gets to the promised land? He leaves because there's no food. He goes down to Egypt. Did God say, when you get to the promised land, leave and go down to Egypt? He didn't. How did he, how did he end up going to Egypt? Because he thought about it. He had the thoughts of his own head coming in. Well, there's no food here. I'll just keep on going south. We're going down to Egypt. They probably have some food there. He gets on down there. See, he's listening to the thoughts of his head. Not the revelation that came to his spirit. Let's go on with the, with the next one. Verse 2. But Abram said to Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. So, at this point, he has not been faithful, not very faithful with the words that God has spoken. God speaks the word and he does what he thinks he ought to do. And he keeps on going. And the Lord comes to him. Go back to verse 1 again. The Lord comes to him after all this unfaithfulness. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. So how does God view Abram when he has been unfaithful? Apparently pretty well. Alright, verse 3. Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born to my house is my heir. So not only is he unfaithful with what God has told him to do, he's also doubting God and complaining. Can you get much more unfaithful than that? Keep on going. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Verse 5. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. If you were God and you had someone who was as unfaithful with the words that you spoke directly to him, would you say that? Would that be your words? him. Come on outside. I want to show you. I want to give you a vision of something. I want you to look out here. Look at the stars. Can you count them? If you could, you can count your descendants. Can you picture that? Another time he takes them to the sand. Can you count them? When we think of our own unfaithfulness in time, we get an idea that God is so mad with us 
that he has just thrown up his arms and he's going out there to find someone else. And yet, here are two people who have been directly unfaithful with the things that God has said to them. And every time that God comes and speaks to them, he speaks words of encouragement. Go on to verse 6. And he believed in the Lord and he accounted to him for righteousness. And then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. We don't see that rebuke. Turn over to Genesis chapter 17. In verse 1. And Abraham was 99 years old. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. What phenomenal words to hear from God. And just as the devil has brought you into condemnation for your unfaithfulness that you have, don't you think the devil is reminding him of all the times he's missed it? All the times he's come up short on the things that God has said to do? And yet God keeps coming out and saying these things that are nice and positive. Good words. Go on to verse 6. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in the generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And Abram said, and God said to Abram, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, throughout your generations. In the next chapter, in verse 17, uh, 18, verse 17, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abram what I am doing? Since, now look at this, Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation. And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. He is not a great and mighty nation right now. He doesn't seem to be on the way as best we can tell. But look at God's view. Shall I hide what I'm going to do? Shall I hide what I'm going to do? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and a mighty nation. Now notice this. In each word that God spoke into his life to build him up on the promise, he also gave him an assignment. In the first one, the assignment was, leave your family and country and go to a land that I will show you. In the second one, it was, look at the land. And then he said, arise and walk in the land. In the third Look toward heaven and count the stars if you are able. And then he said, and bring me an offering. And he brought him an offering. And in the fourth, 
you shall keep my covenant. He gave him an encouraging word. He spoke into his life. And then he gave him something to do. And sometimes Abraham did it. And sometimes, partially he did it. And sometimes what he did, he didn't do very well. But still, God didn't lose sight of what he could be. For Gideon, it was tear down the altar of the house of Baal and build an altar for the Lord. Later on, he told him, now, now look, you've got too many people here in this army. I need you to get rid of some because you're all going to think that you delivered them instead of me. And then he said, now get rid of some more. And he got rid of some more. And then he took his 300 men and God told him, here's the assignment. I want you to arm them with trumpets, pitchers of clay, and torches to come against this huge multitude. And he obeyed. And he did it. You see, the inspiration came in his spirit. God spoke it to him. God revealed it to him, what he was to do. And he acted on it. He was not a faithful person. But when he went into that battle, he was faithful to what God had said. And he became the man that God saw all along. Abraham finally became the man that God had seen all along. But it was 25 years in the making. Not counting all the years that went on before that. That's a lot of waiting. That's a whole lot of things that uh, needed to happen. How long have you been waiting? I put this in your outline for you. I want to make sure you can get this. Much of the unfaithfulness in the body of Christ is from listening to words not from God. Much of the unfaithfulness in the body of Christ is from listening to words not from God. We listen to the voices that are around us and the things that they say. God doesn't do that anymore. Has God really said? Well, that's in the Old Testament. Well, God doesn't. And we have voices from all around telling us, but I had what God spoke to me. Then there's the thoughts of your mind. You're going to figure out the plan of God. You're going to figure out a revelation. No, it comes from your spirit. It's revelation that comes to your spirit. This is what we need to do. Because if we are moved by the words of other people, the thoughts of our mind, or the power of my emotions, then I'll tell you what, this is one of the hardest ones for people to get past. Because our emotions are very powerful. When I feel fear, it can paralyze me. When I feel confused, it keeps me from moving. When I feel unappreciated, it causes me to act in a different way. Oh, this is not the way we're supposed to go, people. Your emotions are very powerful, but never let them stop you from obeying God. You've got to take those emotions and you've got to bring them under control. Your emotions are not to control you. We've talked about this somewhere in one of the services we were at. 
about this uh, recent times? God has emotions. God talks about His emotions. Does God get angry? Does God get disappointed? Has God ever said in His Word that He was sad? (laughs) What did He feel about making Saul king? He was remorseful. How did He feel when Israel went after idols? They rejected Him. What did He say to Samuel when the people asked for a king? Samuel, they have not rejected you. They have rejected me. Does that sound like someone who's having an emotional moment? But he does not let his emotions rule him. If he did, we'd all be wiped out. But he doesn't. God has emotions. We're created in the image of God. But he does not let his emotions rule him. He lets his word dictate what he will do. Ponder this sometime when you think of the conversation between God and Moses when God says to Moses, step aside. I'm going to wipe this rebellious group out. Can you feel the emotion from God on it? And what what does Moses do? He appeals to the word that he spoke. Because he knows, God, your emotions will not override what you said. We're not always going to get a chance to see that because not too many people had that relationship with God. With Gideon and Abram, Abraham, God spoke into their lives. Their lives were not where they needed to be. They were not going in the direction that they needed to go to become what God had ordained for them to be. They were not going that way. But he kept coming up to them and speaking to them. Man of valor. I will be with you. Look at the words he spoke to Moses. Moses, I'm going to go wherever you go. I will be with you wherever you go. Look at the words he spoke to Joshua. I will be with you wherever you go. He spoke into their lives to build them up. Even when they were in a place of being unfaithful. If you are hearing words of condemnation, words that are tearing you down, they are not coming from God. Because even people that were unfaithful, He spoke highly of them for the purpose of bringing them to the place of being faithful. He was not tolerant of their unfaithfulness. He kept His vision on where He was taking them. He wasn't distracted by his emotions of how he felt about where they were going, how they rejected his word. He didn't do that. He kept saying things. The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Surely I will be with you And you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. When I was putting this together today, this is what came up in my spirit for for this word for this. There is no such thing as yesterday's word. God's, what God speaks is eternal. 
Just because God spoke something to you that happened 10 years ago does not mean that word is not eternal. Because God does not speak words that have an expiration date. He is an eternal God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what God spoke to you before has exactly the same freshness on it today. Because we serve an eternal God. There means it today. He spoke words to Moses. And 40 plus years it happened. He spoke words to Joseph. And 17 years later, it happened. He spoke words to lots of people. And it took time for it to occur. It didn't happen overnight. Many of you have had a word that God spoke to you, but it's not yet fulfilled. You're getting frustrated. You're getting discouraged. You may think, should this thing even happen? Did God even mean it? And the enemy will come in and he will tell you your unfaithfulness has put you in a place where God has sought after another. God has given up on you. No longer is God on your side. He has gone on in another direction. And sometimes we bought it and we believed it because it hasn't happened yet. Now, some of the reasons that it's taken a while is our fault. Moses, it took a while and it was his fault. But God still brought it around. Paul had a call in his life, but he was pursuing that call in a, in a wrong way. God corrected him, got him on the path, and got him doing what he was supposed to be doing. You see, what God has spoken in your life, it's still relevant, people. It is still relevant. Keep it, or keep those things that he has said before your eyes. Some of those things are things he has spoken to your spirit. Down in your spirit, it has become a revelation to you, this is where I'm leading you. This is what I'm doing. Some of it came when you were reading the Word and revelation came to you. You make sure you write those things down. Always have a place that you can go back and find that revelation. Find that thing that God spoke to you. And then we so often just go back and, and read it again and look it over. What, did, what is it that God has said to me in the past? Keep it fresh. Keep it before you. When you have action, let it come from your spirit, not your head. Don't try and figure out, well, how is this going to... Listen to your spirit. Follow what God has revealed to you in your spirit. Don't feel an urgency on everything. Just because God showed it to you now does not mean that it's time to move into it. He just wants to get you prepped. Get you going in the right direction. That's what He wants to do. And that's what he will do. Relax. The enemy wants you uptight. Once you thinking, oh, this has to happen now. Oh, I don't have much time left. Oh, stop it. <laughs> Relax. This is the same God who says, I'm going to do this. And sure enough, a thousand years later, it happened. And there's other times when he said, I'm going to do this. And it happened that day.
Don't get, don't get in a rush. Relax. Operate out of the voice that comes from your spirit. Listen to the words that God has spoken to you. In His Word, through your spirit, wherever it might be, listen to those words, not the words of other people. Not the words that are not on, God, not on the side of God. And take those emotions that you feel and you corral them. You keep them under wraps. You can feel them. But you don't be moved by those emotions. Be moved by the power of God. Glory to God. We, we have a, a song. We're going to lead you in. How are we going to do this? It's on video? Songs would you- All right, stand up. This is not a hard song. But we can sing it. Go ahead and play that. That made you stop. I don't know if I made you... (laughs) Get to the right spot. This is a song that came out in one of the servers down there at Ramah. I believe the year, this was 1998. It's a while ago. Brother Keith Moore had this, had this word for some things that had come out that were being, being taught. But keep in mind, whatever God has said, God will bring it about. He will. He knows that we've messed up and we've looked at how many people that have already messed up the call of God in their life. And God still brought it about. God can bring it about. Are we ready? Go go for it. It'll surely come to be. It will come to pass. Everybody proclaim it. Say it will come to pass. Oh, it shall come to pass. What the Lord has said to me, it will surely be. What did he tell you? Oh, it shall come to pass. What the Lord has said to me, it will surely come to be. It will come to pass. Sing it real loud and sing it. It's gonna come to pass. Just watch it see that it shall come. Oh yes, it will. What the Lord has said to me, it will surely come to me. It will come to pass. What did He tell you? We just heard the prophecy just a minute ago that the symptoms of pain will disappear and the wholeness and strength will appear. Did He say it? Do you believe it? What's going to happen? It'll surely come to me. Shall come to pass. Oh, it shall come. Say it out loud. What the Lord has said to me will surely come to me. It will come. What did He tell you about your money? It will come. 
I was thinking we had that video on, on there somewhere, and I actually went out there to look for it here today, and I couldn't find it. I found the, the, the real long one. So I mentioned it to Brother Nikolai, and he said, I'll find it. <laughs> so he found the place where it was in this. But if you want to go back, I'm sure that whole teaching was good. It came out of a Winter Bible Seminar in 1998. I'm going to go back. I met, kind of made a mark on this thing. I want to go back and listen to it and see all what happened there. I know I was there, <laughs> but I don't mind hearing it again. 1998, if you want to do that, look up, just do Rhema. It shall come to pass. It uh, comes under that uh, under that name. Um, and I'm sure whatever Brother Hagin was teaching that day and whatever prophecy came out was probably relevant to, to what we're, we're understanding here. But you can go out there and, and check that out on your own. But just know, what has God spoken to you? It will come to pass. He will bring it about. He has great ways of overcoming. And just in the four people that we've looked at, who started out in the place of being unfaithful, and God brought them to a place of being greatly faithful, despite all the bumps along the way. And in this case, more so than anything else, see how God views you while you are yet unfaithful what we got into last week is the key stay humble you get prideful he can't work with you but even if you are wrong if you're humble he can work with you father we thank you that whatever it is that you have spoken to us you are indeed bringing it about you will bring it to pass and just as you showed with Gideon, with Abraham, despite them not believing you, despite not being faithful with what you said to do, you still brought it to pass. How much faster it is if we obey and believe right away. But even when we don't, you overcome it. I thank you for it. I give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Brother Victor. Sister Alista, come on. Hey, hey, all right. Everybody say, I love my pastor. Oh, that was not good. I love my pastor. I love my pastor. How many of y'all know when pastor has something to say, it's pretty pretty worth listening to, right? Yeah, whether or not it hurts a little bit, that's not the case. doesn't matter. It's worth listening to. But man, you know, as I'm listening to him, there's just a couple of things that immediately came to the top of my head. When God tells us to do something and we get in a little bit of that, oh, that doesn't feel good. I don't want to do that. That makes me uncomfortable. And I don't, and we don't do it. So then we wait. And the blessing that we would have got had we obeyed right away is still up there, not being given to us because we haven't obeyed yet. So everybody say, I am not too cool. A lot of people think you're too cool. Say, I am not too cool. I am not too cool to do what God says to do, to talk to the neighbor who's really weird and kind of smells funny, but God still says I should talk to them, to give the money that God's been saying to give, to go back to school that God's been telling me to go back to school. I am not too cool to do what God has asked me and told me and directed me and guided me to do because, as he says in Judges, surely I will be with you. 
Surely I will be with you. He gives that promise. And he gave the other promise, you know, um, he's a shield about you. He will direct your path. He'll. Go. There's no reason to be scared, guys. If God is calling you to do something, it's time to step out and do it. Keep your humility. Stay humble about it like pastor's been teaching. But when you are faithful, when you obey, whoo, blessings come. That's exciting to me. I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, speaking of blessings, we do have some praise reports today. Miss Susan says that today... 57 years ago, but that's not possible because she's only 29. Um, she was baptized in the Holy Spirit and she is thankful, thankful and looking forward to the next 50 years. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. If that's the thing you guys are supposed to be doing that's holding you back from receiving from God, you're not too cool to receive the Holy Spirit, guys. We will gladly pray with you. We will gladly lead you in that. It's a blessing, yeah? It is, it is a tool to be used. And this is one that blesses my heart and I'm not going to cry. My little Lissy, here I go crying. Woo! Um, it's just because she has her handwriting. They teach them in school this thing called kid writing. So they write what they hear. So it's just a bunch of consonants. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. She is very thankful that her friend JJ is home from the hospital after getting his tonsils and adenoids taken out. She was very concerned. She's thankful that he is home. Um, and we are have been told that we have already prayed, or there has been prayer that has happened, but we're going to stand in faith for our brother Les. He had surgery this week on his knee. His medication's kind of making him a little funky. So we're just standing in faith that the medication does what it's supposed to do and nothing else, and that that knee heals quickly and completely, and that everything that was supposed to be done is successful in Jesus' name. Also, while we're in that prayer zone, we have our Equiel and our Eric, who are going back to school this week, for both of you, yeah? So we won't see them until summertime. So give them hugs, give them love, pray for them on their travels, pray for them, their protection over them, their minds, their ears, their hearts, all that stuff, their bodies, that, that's important too, that they are protected. Um, we've got some stuff coming up, y'all. Men's movie night, Friday, March 29th, they are going to see Mary Poppins Returns. If you're interested, see, no, that's not, that's not right, no. <laughs> all it says is, we're looking at a, mo- a movie night, and all I keep thinking is, what movie are you seeing? So I just assumed it was Mary Poppins Returns. If you're interested in going to the, if you're a man who's interested in going, see Keith, let him know you want to go, find out what the movie is, it'll be a surprise for everybody, I don't know. Limited seating, it's, ooh, special run of something, I don't know. <laughs> um, ladies breakfast, Saturday, March 30th, that is here. Um, you guys know the drill, bring a, bring a dish, bring a friend, bring something to share, there's going to be teaching. Last time they did um, your vision board, so you never know what's going to come out of Miss Connie's head, there's always crazy stuff happening. This is something I need you guys to pay attention to. We moved up the cover dish dinner. I'll stop meeting by one week because April 7th is what? Easter egg hunt! Woo! I'm the only one who's excited. Easter egg hunt! You can see our numbers, our totals up here. We have almost 200 kids already registered and we still have many weeks to go. 1,100 eggs have been pledged. Five different baskets have been pledged. We are getting great responses from our community businesses. We're getting the Zoe name out there. It's wonderful. Keep that in prayer. But we did have to move the cover dish up. That being said, those that are involved in the egg hunt, you're going to get a lot of information that day. If you can be here, it is ideal. You'll get it from the horse's mouth, exactly what to expect, what's going on, a couple of the changes that are being made from last year to this year. Um, and it's just better to kind of get all the questions answered in the group setting rather than, she said this and that one said, <laughs> all in one spot. Pastor will have some things to say then as well. Um, and again, whenever Pastor has something to say, it's worth listening to. So you should be here to hear it. Um, and then there's a ladies' prayer time this Friday. Now, for those who can be there in person, it will be at Pastor Connie's house at 10 o'clock. Again, she's Italian. There's going to be food, I promise. At, at the very least, there will be coffee. <laughs> because, again, Italian. Um, 
uh, if you can make it, uh, she will gladly open her doors for you. But if you cannot make it and you still want to know what are the topics we're praying about, I can pray at work. I can pray at school. I can pray while I'm sleeping. You can't pray while you're sleeping. I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> um, see her today. She'll give you kind of a, a rundown of what's being prayed for. Um, and I think that that's everything. Be in prayer for the, the egg hunt. It's going to be awesome. And I think that's that's about it. Hug some people. Not like I have to tell our people that. We love hugging. We love talking. Talk to people. Today is the second half of um, the financial classes by Lamar Child. It's centering on starting a business, how to budget things. Um, and last week was amazing. It went into all different kinds of directions. I was super excited it went in. But this one is a little bit different. If you're staying, class starts at 1 o'clock. Grab some lunch. Grab a coffee, whatever. Come back here in the main sanctuary. And he will begin at 1. All right, guys. Love you. Have a great week.